0: I love nothing more than connecting with business owners over a common concern or passion. My podcast guest today connected with me on LinkedIn because she's just as passionate about bringing big business thinking to small business owners as I am. Sherelle Griffith hails all the way from Nottingham in the UK and is a marketing strategist who focuses on helping coaches and consultants to stop the overwhelm when it comes to marketing and create marketing plans that they can follow with confidence and ease. In an online conversation I had with Sherelle late last year, Sherelle was telling me how she'd recently gone through the process of changing up some of her services, including her pricing strategy, yet still maintained a targeted and, in her words, dreamy client base. It's going to be yet another big year for Sherelle. So join Sherelle and I on this episode. I'm Amy Bajada, CPA by trade, not in nature now financial coach to businesses globally. The Boring Shit You Need to Know in Business podcast was created with business owners and aspiring business owners in mind. It's a way to bring you simple yet effective business strategies, explore the art of being in business and challenge the notion that our financial numbers are boring. If you're looking to improve your profitability, increase your cash and grow your business, you're in the right place. Join me and other business owners as we discuss the boring shit you need to know in business. Hey, Sherelle, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I know, it's been a long time coming. How's Nottingham? It is good. It's a grey morning here, but hey, it's winter and this is life when you live in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) There's the choices that we make. There's the choices that we make. It is.
0: You're no stranger to being on camera, that's for sure. I've been following intently your work and love how confident you are on camera. I'm I'm shocking when it comes to camera work. Can I just tell you, I admire the stuff that you're doing and the messaging that you actually are putting out there.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much. I It's funny because I don't necessarily think of myself as being like massively natural on camera but I think obviously it's part of that journey being on camera is really important for a business owner and it has been a number of years now so I suppose over time you get better with it and yeah I definitely don't let being on camera, like not being 100% confident stop me from showing up and getting my message out there.
0: Yeah is it something that you've always done You, you you know I agree with you that it's it's been a big thing recently that people you know are moving towards being on camera showing up we have to you know and given the last two years where we haven't been in person we've had to show up in different ways so is it is it something that you've been doing a lot of
1: over the years? My first YouTube channel was in 2016 so um, outside my marketing business I have a platform for professional women and all around like personal development and succeeding and in order to Get that out there. I started making YouTube videos. So I did that probably like a YouTube video every single week for a few years. But then actually had a bit of a like hiatus. So I think, and I think probably you don't realize how that, even though it was years ago, has really benefited you. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we don't ever understand the fruits of our labor. And you're gonna you're probably gonna talk to a bit of this when we talk about (laughs) content creation, but you don't understand the fruits of your labours until it's either you're not doing it and you think that nobody else is listening and all of a sudden there's this gap. Would you Mm -hmm.
1: agree? (laughs) It's very, yeah, absolutely true. And I, I think I'm definitely someone that's like put the work in, do it step by step over time and you do see that cumulative power. And like you said, everything improves. And it's only when you look back, you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got so much better because... I don't think in many cases it's like overnight successes and you go from being like super shy and come to like, yeah, I'm ready for it. And, I, you know, I think it's slow progress. But as long as you're slowly moving forward and you're always constantly pushing yourself, that change will happen.
0: Yeah, I hope I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm good at this, but no, not yet. Not yet. Well, whilst we're on content creation, this is your jam, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yes. I am all about content because Actually, my background was in marketing full, the whole shebang. You know, I did TV ads, radio ads, big um, advertising on the underground, had money, like serious budget. And when I started to make Propel which I just mentioned earlier, that was where I really realised, when you don't have money, content is what you sort of have to rely on. Like if you don't have budget, this is the way to do organic marketing. This is the free stuff. And so I had to really teach myself what this world was like of what to do when it was just you. And when you didn't have budget to actually get your message out there and content. But that for me in like the broadest is across social media, email and content in terms like YouTube videos, podcasts or blog posts. I realized that was like the backbone of if you want to get your message out with no money, really. And so, yeah, that is what I have committed to helping other people, whether that be like coaches, consultants, online service providers, because it really helps you to. Get your expertise out there, position yourself as an authority, but also attract the right people into your world. I think it's a two-way thing. It's helping you to build your brand, which can lead on to other things. Like I've had people go on to do like books and they want to speak on stage and you know, all that sort of good brand profiling when you do good content, it helps. But obviously ultimately as well, we want to make sure we're attracting the right people so it makes life selling easier. Hooray. (laughs) I agree. If we can get that bit right. Whilst we're on the content
0: thing, I I love content creation because I'm so passionate about the messaging that I have. I'm so passionate about it being purposeful and even just relevant. But here I'm going to get honest and say to you that (laughs) it sucks at times. It sucks, you know, because I just I love what I do. And I, I just sometimes I feel as though one of two things. I'm either it's draining the life out of me trying to make sure that I'm doing it the right way and hitting the right mm-hmm. target, like you said, because that's that's the key. I just want people who are interested in my content to participate in my content and to love it and to want more of it. How do we not get drained and bogged down by creating <laughs> content when social media really, I guess for me, it becomes like a full-time job essentially. Tell me, Tell me um, in your opinion, <laughs> how can we balance that out?
1: Oh, it's so when I literally did a live yesterday all about this, like, is content creation taking up too much time? Because I think it is a, it's a big challenge for people um, in terms of how much time you're spending on your content, particularly social media. So social media, I think it's easy to get into a constant, like, content hamster wheel, where you are constantly having to create content. And also, if you're really dedicated to trying to grow on a social media platform, it takes a lot to master them. Like, actually, there are constantly different changes to algorithms best practices they're bringing out new features so if you're on and that's if you're just on one so like at the moment I'm doing a TikTok I've been doing a TikTok challenge for that. the new year. Are you, is that
0: a crazy thing like to to add that level as well? I mean yeah
1: I feel like um, for me my content schedule has been pretty consistent over the last few years Um, And I was like, but I feel like you need to make sure you're keeping up to date with what's happening, obviously, particularly with what I do. So I decided to set myself that challenge. But whilst I've been doing that, what's really reminded me is how different every single social media platform is and what it takes to learn a platform. And so I think, you know, a lot of, probably a lot, a popular platform for a lot of people has been Instagram, obviously Facebook is still one, some people use, LinkedIn is another one, all of them are different and so if you're trying to keep up to date with that and you're trying to create content and you're trying to keep getting your message out and you want to get engagement, it can feel like a full-time job and I am all for consistency and I think it's really important that like when you decide what your like, posting schedule is going to be, you keep to it. But I do think it's about being realistic around if you were fully booked, if your business was doing as well as it would be doing, how much time can you set around for content creation? and trying as much as possible to try and like sort of stick to that in the beginning and if anything I'm like the extra time that you're if you're not fully booked and you've got a bit more time use that to do like actual business development engaging with people that side of stuff rather than just making more content because if you get into that habit of having more time for your content then as your business starts to become have more clients that's when the balance just loses it and that's what I see with people is they got into a bit of a bad habit when they didn't have enough clients and then as they get more they're just like this is not manageable. Ah, <laughs> I so agree.
0: That is my life. I think I may have even thrown my hands up exactly like that, <laughs> and and said those exact words. But I think you know you you hit on a few points. If I can at the moment, yeah. so a couple of things. That whole picking your platform that works for you. I. know I'm 45 like I feel like 103 some days when it comes to social media and I just whilst I love watching TikToks and I think it's so much fun I look at it and I kind of go yeah I'm not sure that platforms for me it probably is in terms of my audience because people are doing the same thing I'm doing they're just watching for content.
1: I was gonna say and also I think Miss Excel is like yeah there's a woman that's like that she's one of the poster people I would say on TikTok in terms of taking what could notoriously be a quite a boring subject obviously not for me give me Excel every day I totally (laughs) agree I (laughs) know that's what I'm saying so I'm like well actually if Miss Excel's done that way I could absolutely see how potentially there is an audience for you as well
0: yeah and the thing is I I get that and I I think I find myself consistently getting frustrated because I want to do all and sundry. I really do. Mm -hmm. But like you said, when you've got a full card going on in terms of like my one-on-one clients this year, I'm moving into more of the online space so that I can serve more of my audience in a more effective way and producing online courses, which I'm so excited and proud of, and I can't wait for more of them to come. But I still have these one-on-one clients that I mm. serve, and so it's it's trying to balance that and to not just do it haphazardly. I, I'm all in. If I'm doing anything, I'm trying to be as all in as possible. So, like you said before, trying to learn a new platform and do it well along with the other platforms, and then to to have that whole everyone on different platforms see things differently. So the content has yes. to be tweaked. You can repurpose it, I'm assuming, but it has to be tweaked to some degree. So just learning yeah. a new platform, I think, gives me hives at times. Like I really, <laughs> I break out, I, it stresses me out. Everyone's like, you
1: got to be on TikTok. I'm like, I oh, know, but I'm going to get there. No, So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take it away from you. You do not need to be on TikTok. I do not think it is a a necessity at all. I'm thoroughly enjoying my experiment right now, but I think there's stories of every single person that has a success story on a platform, and then will swear by it. But the reality is that can be on any platform so there's you know that's why everyone used to go on instagram because people were like agree my six figure business on instagram come and do it And it's like now the (laughs) same is happening with tiktok it's like but you can do it anyway actually what you need to try and do is find a platform that does three things so it's like one it needs to really showcase your business well so the easiest example i normally say is like a photographer probably doesn't want to be like it's better to be a photographer to be on instagram than it would be to be on something that's like linkedin where you just are doing text posts for example so you want to do something where your business shines. You want to go somewhere where your, your clients or your customers actually are. So don't go to one if there's no one on there. To be honest, on most social media platforms, all age groups are on all of them. So it's, you know, it's usually all right. And then finally, it's about if you're delivering it and you need to be consistent, you need to understand it and be comfortable on it. Actually, when we talk about that dreaded content, it's quite often when people are on a platform that they're forcing themselves to be on yeah. and it's not naturally what they enjoy.
0: yeah. Can I ask about scheduling? What's your take on hmm. scheduling? Like I hear that some of the platforms reject it. It doesn't bode well. What is your thoughts on that? Because I would have thought that that would be a really great way to remain consistent when you have that time to block out.
1: Yeah. So um there are some, some social media platforms do make it very clear like who is in, like an agreed um, partner so there are some I know there were used to be particular I can't think off the top of my head there were some like illegal ones but now normally you can tell they will say like we are a verified we are a partner that we're all happy to be used there are some theories that still if you use a scheduler your reach isn't quite as great as if you do it organically but what I say to people is that slight decrease in reach over the consistency I generally would view as worth it so mm. if you are someone who absolutely can go in whatever your schedule is whether that's a few times a week every single day and you're happy to do that do that but if Mm -hmm. you know that you can't then it's much better just to have a batching day create all your content schedule it and know for the rest of the week you don't have to worry about it and yes you might lose a little bit in your reach but you the dependability and the consistency of people seeing you as agreed as outweighs the like slight dip in the reach
0: yeah, I I tend to agree with that and I'm I'm kind of glad you validated that because I do these <laughs> thoughts for the day every single day. Yeah. And I've scheduled them out a year in advance and sometimes they surprise wow. me because I I've set them but I've had to do it that way for that consistency and I it was funny because I I honestly thought no one was looking at them. I didn't think it was getting the reach that it was getting because it just didn't have those numbers that they just didn't come up. And then one day my post didn't arrive on the platform and the number of DMs that I got, (laughs) where was my thought? And I'm like, well, where are you when I'm looking for engagement? So yeah, I'm glad you said that because it, it helps manage it. And I think it takes away for me, it takes away that angst of that content creation because you can (laughs) get a little bit more creative. And I I try to block out time to do that. So,
1: but you recently shared that point because I think people get trapped up thinking that if only people are liking or commenting, that they are absorbing your content. And I actually had um, a client last year that we worked with and we were on LinkedIn and I could see that people would see her LinkedIn post, they would click on it and they'd go through to her website and would read like whatever that blog post had been that week. But no one ever commented and hardly mm. anyone ever liked. And I was like, that's because they didn't want to be seen as basically not being an expert in their field because she was like sort of a B2B person. I was like, they do not want other people to be like, oh, they need to learn about this. They're about like, there was so much. I suppose, wanting to say hidden, that they would never comment on it. But I could see in the stats, I could see in the Google Analytics, this was all happening. And I yeah. think that's the reminder, like it's only when something disappears, like you, that one post goes and everyone's like, oh my gosh, where have you gone today? And they've been like reading it every day, <laughs> but they don't engage with it. And I think that's a real important lesson. You know, I, I think both of us are quite like numbers. People were about our data and analytics, but sometimes it can be misleading because yeah. just because people aren't clicking and not saying with a click, I like it and they're not dropping that emoji and commenting it as we like that doesn't mean people aren't paying attention and it doesn't mean they're not absorbing it.
0: I learned that at the end of last year because I put a podcast out that basically talked about the fact that I was about to shut down my social media platforms both Instagram and Facebook and I was going to recreate more targeted because my branding is my name and so mm-hmm. I was going to create a more targeted page for each and I I basically did this call out, even in my email marketing, where I said to people come across only if you're interested, only if you're interested engaging." In but okay. I think I had the terminology wrong because I received a lot of emails back saying, please don't, I want to be there. I'm one of these people that just doesn't comment, but I'm, I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm taking in all the advice that you have. And, you know, I got so many of those messages and it, it made me realize that they're the people who are my target audience. If I think about what I do for a living, financial coaching, it's such a private topic for so many people. And I'm not suggesting that it's taboo in any stretch, but similar to what you were saying, people aren't likely to comment and just give away all their personal stuff about their finances (laughs) for a couple of reasons. They could be embarrassed by it. They could be genuinely really depressed by it or struggling. And they're the people that normally come to me at that, that last and final point when I'm doing one-on-one coaching with them. And it's, it's a tough moment. So I came to that realization at the end of last year, hold up, Amy. It's not about the analytics necessarily. It'd be great to be able to see them. So I could make sure that I'm hitting the right targets and providing the right content but i've got to pull back and go okay well, let's let's think who my target audience is and generally they're women who don't necessarily outwardly talk about finances as confidently um so yeah i oh I'm so glad you you said that because that that was a really big journey for me to to have to go through so but speaking of journeys You've recently gone on a journey and we were talking about this last year in our messaging, where you went on to change up some of your services and Mm. your pricing strategy. So tell me about, tell me where you landed on all your services right now.
1: Okay. So yeah, I'm really glad to get talk about this because I think services, designing services is one of those things that people sort of do at the beginning and then sort of normally stay there and don't question it. So um, I originally started my business when I, I had a day job. I was working in marketing in London. And so the main offer I used to have was a strategy day where I would sit down with people and help put together their plan for a whole day. And that made sense because I would literally just book a day off work, work with someone for the whole day, get paid, done. Perfect. And so that had become like the backbone of my business when I then um, went full time. And I then just thought, okay, I need to have like a longer one. And I just made like pretty standard 12 weeks, call every week, blah, blah, blah. And I did that for maybe like seven, eight months, and a few people have gone through it. And then I, I was having so in the summer, I like to like spend a bit more time away from the business and just just do client work. I don't really do much on top of it. And I was thinking, well, what do I actually want my business to look like next year, and how do I want that to work? And I really started to think actually about also the clients. And I was like, I'm going through a lot with people. They've already got a business, they've already like up and running and got clients. These aren't people at the beginning where they like. I've got loads of time to implement stuff and I was like actually I think they are getting a bit too much too fast and every week they're not getting through it so I swapped to having fortnightly calls and that made it better for both people because it meant they had more time in between to actually like implement everything between our sessions and then it meant now I've moved my business onto like an A, B rotor so I have one week where all my clients are on that's the week where normally I show up my face is here and week B I could work on my business I also could go somewhere sunny I could stay in bed all week I could (laughs) like basically normally it's totally up to me and that means that I can I feel as if I could disappear and do what I want for a week and actually I'm not letting down my clients and then to like layer on top of that I now give Voxer access so it's like an app where people can talk send voice messages and I send them back to them so they've always they've always got that support and now I'm actually more of that like business best friend when you have that random thought at a certain hour you can just message me and that feels better than actually what it was before even though before it felt more intense because actually now I'm there when they need me rather than just like, here I am again, here I am, we've got to keep going, keep going. And so what it really showed to me was actually we need to look both as business owners and at our clients, particularly once you've designed something and you've had some people go through and think, is there a better way to do it? Like, actually, just because everyone else in your industry does a service a particular way doesn't mean it's the best thing. Um, and so for me, like now I'm like super happy with that new model. I've actually like blogged about it. A few of people have said, yeah, I've been thinking like having an AB for me would also really work and I'm trying to work out how that could happen. And like actually just like owning what you want in your business. Like I'm a big believer in like your business, your rules, your terms, and you can make, I think, virtually anything work as long as you like make the plan and think about it and ensure it is benefiting both your clients and yourself.
0: Yeah, and we can get so stuck on the first way we decided to do something. So it's really great to take stock. And I often encourage my business owners that I work with, Every year that when they're thinking about their financial changes or their financial strategies or any other implementation of a strategy in the year to make sure that the business is working for them as well, not just mm-hmm. the other way around, because I think there's a real sluggish negative connotation when we're not getting exactly what we thought we were going to get when we started our businesses in every type of way really like whether it be coaching or even those with a product-based business or a bricks and mortar store people are feeling so discouraged about getting up and going to work every day because it's not what they'd envisage when they first started out so that's really empowering it's really empowering to to take stock and you're right, more people need to do it more often where they just, you know, and, and even if there's no change to their service, even if it ticks all those boxes and kind of goes, no, it is still working for both parties, then you soldier in. That's yeah. great, but at least you've questioned it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's like review doesn't always mean change. So, like, I have a business yeah. accelerator called Start Strong and there, these are people that have already got services that are up and running, but I still say to them, we just need to do a quick check. Write down all of your services, like write down how much you like you sold of each one of those last year and then how much you are still enjoying delivering it. And if there's like, and I say to them, if there's anything that's under a six, you need to question, like, do I still want to continue doing this? Are there some tweaks I could make to make it more valuable and make it work for both me and the client? And sometimes that means something gets disappeared. Sometimes people say, do you know what, I'm not loving it as much as I want, but actually... I'm going to com- commit to it for the rest of the year for other reasons. That's also totally fine. And then sometimes someone tweaks it and then they're like, oh my gosh, this is like, I didn't need to throw the whole thing out the basket, like the baby out the basket. I just <laughs> needed to tweak it. And now it's yeah. great. So re- reviewing is like definitely like one of the things I try and like teach people a lot. And it's like, it doesn't mean you have to change, but also it can just reconfirm. This is exactly what I want to do. I'm still happy with this. And then you have renewed confidence when you're going back out to sell.
0: Yeah. I had a client once who was dragging their feet on a particular service that they were offering. And so we we did all the due diligence around pricing, making sure that it was profitable. It turned out it wasn't profitable. But when I questioned that whole, so just get rid of it if it's not me. Oh, but it will. I know my clients need this. I said, yeah, but they haven't to date. They haven't, it's not to say that your ideal client won't need that sort of service, but for whatever reason, they're not coming to you for it. So one of two things have to change. You either change your messaging so that you're a little bit more visible in that area to create that profitability, or you dump it all together and don't be afraid to say it just didn't work, or I'll reintroduce it later. I'll take it away, tweak it, work it out and come back with something a lot more stronger. But it's that fear. It's that real fear of change that a lot of people get stuck on this wheel. So, it's um, it's encouraging to hear that, definitely. So, tell me about pricing. You and I are big on this, right? <laughs> yes, We're both very, very much aligned on this. So, tell me about your pricing strategy and how that impacted that change.
1: So, before I actually had so two tiers of the same uh, model, basically. So, I had the same sort of like 12 weeks three all the calls etc for three yeah 12 weeks but I had one if you were starting out and then one if you were like scaling up basically and actually what I realized was like actually is that necessarily logical that the jump is based on where they are are at their business when there's a then misalignment with the amount of work I'm possibly doing and actually also meant it was making my marketing nightmare because I was trying to sell more things and actually part of that renewal was a streamline of having less and I think I definitely learned that hard way even though everyone said like have one thing sell one thing and that's like I'm more passionate I'm going to do 75 things and I really <laughs> streamlined it yeah um, and that meant actually the pricing I could be much more confident about being more well, this is a service and no matter what level you are at basically it's based around initially when we meet we set the goals and that's how the program gets designed it's a totally bespoke program and so that means now that program is just like one price it's 999 per month six month minimum commitment um and that means that now I can be I know exactly whether there's someone that's starting out a business or someone that's further on that client has the same level in my business. It has the same importance. They get the same amount of attention to care. It doesn't matter what they're doing because actually they're the same client. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I have that as like the core of the backbone. And then I still do have a few um, spotty ones on the outside. So I still offer the strategy day because it definitely is something that because I'd offered it for years, I think I'm super, I'm really good at it. I'm really efficient. And now I normally focus on people doing that like alpha in the last quarter of the year so people getting ready for the new year and really sitting down and being like how do you do a plan for the whole year so that's definitely something I still offer but now it just looks different how it goes across the year so I'll only mention it in my marketing at very particular times mm-hmm. um when it's like super like relevant and that makes me easier so the actual like my six month mentoring that's the one I mention the most and then it's like I have that alongside and then I still keep my pricing power out because like you I think so many people really, really struggle with their pricing. And I'm like, you can do all the marketing in the world. You can do all the visibility. But if you haven't got your pricing right, you are not making a profitable business. And one of my big passions is actually making a business that pays you properly. And particularly for service-based business owners, I think one of the biggest issues is that people don't value their time enough and they don't properly also look at how it works. So actually by streamlining my services, when I redid my pricing I could do that forecasting a lot easier because I wasn't thinking, oh well if I get uh, six clients that are on the startup rather than the scale-up that totally would change the amount of profit I'd make across the year because now it just doesn't matter what they are, I have a very, very clear line it's made my forecasting much easier which means I can properly work out how much time I have for client delivery, how much I do have for marketing and how to keep my business within the limits that I want to be in so that I can still have the life that I want because that work life balance is also really important.
0: Yeah, I went through exactly that process like two years ago where same thing. I I do offer such tailored services to my clients because I have to. The the nature of what I do requires me to not be this cookie cutter approach to anything that I do. And because I was doing such one-on-one level type of work and there weren't there wasn't that group kind of mentality that I could just do a flat fee, I often would quote prior to this two-year review. Yeah. I often would quote differently on every single, and that that pro- that process itself was draining. It was time consuming. It just took up so much of my time, even though I was getting it right. And the, you know, I had my own little methods in there, but I found the same thing. Once I started to just blanket the approach, have the fixed amount and know exactly what the inputs were, even if they were tailored and continue to be tailored, I still was able to capture that time effectively in it. But you're right about business owners not valuing their time. I think it's this whole mentality that if I do it myself, it's not going to cost me anything. And I often talk about that opportunity cost that so many individual or solopreneurs forgo when they're not pricing their products correctly, because- at the end of the day, the opportunity cost is if someone else would pay you to do exactly the same thing, what are you going to accept? And so therefore, why aren't you accepting that in your own business? You can then go and undercut and look absolutely fantastic, but your business will not survive. And, you know, we hear about all these stats with businesses, small businesses, you know, one in five going under in the first (laughs) two years of their business. There's a reason for that. There's a really clear reason for it.
1: But that start you mentioned, I think there's a bigger problem that isn't discussed, which is a certain amount of fail. But there are more that I truly believe are unprofitable. They are technically failing. The only reason why they're not is because someone is basically working for free in them. And I think that undiscovered like section of people who are you know they would be like in the UK it's like they wouldn't be getting minimum wage they wouldn't actually be making enough money if they were to price out all the time that they're putting into their business but they're just fronting it and carrying on and I think that's the danger and I actually see like so many people that I think have then, you know they've managed to get out of a nine to five that they didn't really want so they're happy that they you know they're not doing that but i'm like really your business is not making the money it should be making yeah. and it's not for the amount of risk that you're taking and the amount of time that you're putting into it and all those other things that you are not getting the financial reward out of it so i think learning to properly price your services is make and services are difficult because it's us it's personal you've got any type of mindset issues that all gets involved and you know i, I do say to people like when you've got a product I'm like, if you've got your pricing when you've got a product, and like, come on, people. Like, you're literally like, this is how much, this is my fixed cost. This is my variable cost. This is yeah. how much profit margin I need. Like, it's logical, but I can, at least with service providers, I do understand how it goes a little bit array, but I'm trying to help people to get Oh, contract.
0: you're good. <laughs> I get just as brutal. I'm exactly, I'm just as brutal with a service-based business as I am with a product-based business for the same reasons. These are your fixed costs, including yeah. your salary or wages. And here's your variable costs it goes without saying kind of thing. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny you say about um, businesses and I think that you're right, so many more would go under. But I, I also believe that either partners are funding their businesses or other, other work. So they're working part-time that's funding their business. They don't realize how much more cash they're injecting in their business because they're ignoring, you know, they, they make this assumption that being in business is going to cost me money. And so therefore I've, I've got to keep injecting cash and reinvesting into my business. But I say, it's not a reinvestment if it's not organically generated. So, you know, from a cash perspective, I had a contractor come To our house um, to build a pergola for us. And we got this quote from him and another guy. And one guy quoted us $2,000, $2,500 less than the other. And it really kind of, normally I expect a couple of hundred bucks difference and Mm. you go with the person that you want. But it was such a significant difference that I spoke to the higher priced (laughs) um, contractor and I said to him, Can you do any better? He said, You know what? If you think you're going to get a good product, Or service out of that guy he goes go and do it and spend and don't spend as much he said but i feel sorry for him because he's not going to pay himself and it was so true it was so true he he knew very we went with the higher priced guy for the reason that he he understood his business and he wasn't going to be he was unapologetically setting his price and saying well i stand by what i do and i it was so refreshing to see that because you know, it's hard for me just to get a contractor out to do a pergola to say to him, do you know you're pricing your products wrong? Like I don't want to be that person. <laughs> your service is wrong. I don't want to be that person. But I wish, uh, maybe I should have. Maybe I should have said to him, you need to charge more because everybody else is. And you're, you will get the work, yes, but your business is not going to survive.
1: And or, that could be with somebody. Or you go under like your health deteriorates, you know, you pay the price, like you said, in the long run. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is how, like, what type of life do you want for this business is this a business you know most people I work with this is their passion it's like yeah. it their expertise so you want to build something last isn't about trying to build something make a few books disappear like this is actually something that you want to be able to have alongside your life for years to come to help you have a good life so mm. I think getting that pricing right so that you can have a good work-life balance and build a sustainable profitable business is important.
0: Oh my goodness, you make my heart sing having these conversations. <laughs> I could talk about it all night. Like I'm such a boring nerd from that perspective, but I'm no, glad you're not we're aligned. Boring nerd. I'm glad I'm glad we're aligned on that. Okay, let's get to you. You talk about the fact that you have developed and now created this really great lifestyle for yourself by readjusting a few things. So tell me, when you're not working on or in your business, where are we going to find you? Cheryl, what are you doing? Some reading? Oh. <laughs> Of course. What are you reading at the moment? Is there anything in
1: particular? I actually have just, I've got, I finished a book like two days ago and I've had a little gap. So um, I do need to have a little think about what I'm going to pick up next. I've got quite a few books. Um, The beginning of the year is quite a busy time for new publishers. So I've got a few on the pile, but I need to work out um, which one I think takes my fancy. I actually have gone through, I go through a bit of a phase of reading. Sometimes I'm like, I'm in it and I'm reading every day and I can't get enough. And then I actually now that it's been, like, I've been blogging about books for about six years. There's some days where I'm just like, hey, I'm just not going to read tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a strange thing to do. So reading yeah. any other passions that you
1: have that you find? Is- um, so I'm really into dancing. Um, that's definitely, so my degree was in dance. Um, and I've just started doing pole dancing. So that's no. a new thing for 2022, which is yeah testing out the guns, which I don't have any. Um, (laughs) I I am really religious about doing my yoga with Adrienne, so I spend a lot of time on my yoga mat. She's my bestie. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I'm just hanging around my friends, really. That's what I spend my time doing.
0: Okay. I've got another question for you that I have decided to implement into my podcast series this year. It's a bit of a doozy, so I'm going to give you some time if you need it to think about it. But if you could have anyone play you in a movie About your life, who would it be and why? Now, it doesn't have to be someone who looks like you necessarily. It doesn't have to necessarily be. It could be just that you resonated with a particular um, character, even. So, any thoughts on that question? (laughs)
1: So my ultimate answer is the wrong way around because I'm like, she's older than me. So it doesn't make any sense. I just want Beyonce to play me, obviously. Who was that? Beyonce. Because I love her. So I'm like, she, she plays me in a movie. I'm like, isn't that the dream that Beyonce plays you? Yeah,
0: Yeah. why not? Why not? That's a good answer. And that was a quick answer. We didn't need to go too far into that. I really like that. She's beautiful. She is absolutely beautiful. And so are you, Sherelle. I really do appreciate you taking some time. I know it's early there and it's a start to the day, but um, thanks so much for the connection. Like I I think this is going to be long term and I can't wait till we can travel properly again because I'm going to come and visit Nottingham and I'm going to hit you up because I would love to come out and check it out.
1: Have you got a whole UK trip planned? (laughs) Not really, (laughs) but I've
0: got a European trip planned for
1: the next
0: couple of years. It is for my 50th, which is in four years time, but We'll see. It might be a little earlier than that. We'll, yeah. You know, I'm just not sure what the COVID situation is going to be between now and then. But um, hopefully. well, I hope
1: you do get to go all around Europe. I um, used to have a colleague who's from Australia that she was working with me. And she, every other weekend, she'd be just off somewhere in Europe, just looking at yeah. amazing things. It's, uh, it's definitely, once you get over here, there's lots, just you can do quick trips left, right and centre and have lots yeah, of Yeah,
0: I've done a lot of travel over there. Like I've been to London. Um, ironically, this is a really sad story. I went to London. It wasn't until I got on the plane home that I was watching some sort of infomercial thing on the plane and I was reminded that Buckingham Palace was there and I forgot all about it whilst I was there. What? And I know, who does that? It, all right, in my defence... There were a lot of pubs that were visited in my stint, and I probably forgot
1: due to brain fog, but, you know. <laughs> I can't believe you came to London. I forgot that Buckingham Palace was there.
0: <laughs> but I found some really cool pubs while I was there. Let me tell you, okay. it was lots of fun. <laughs> we did do some of the sites while we were there, and that was kind of fun. But I have I have been to Europe. I did a bus about tour around Europe a couple of more than a couple of years ago now. So I'm itching to get back and I know how versatile it is. I wish I could live there. That's for sure. But, um, but thank you again, Sherelle. I want you to go off and start your day and have an absolutely fantastic day. Thank you so much for making me feel comfortable about some of the strategies that were really (laughs) bogging me down, but to just go forth and have that confidence that, you know, we've got this as business owners and we can't be too hard on ourselves. We've just got to be methodical about the way we approach certain things. So thank you. I love your energy and I love that we've connected.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really uh, enjoyed our conversation and I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it too.
0: Yes, indeed. And I'll put all the details on how they can get in contact with you with these show notes. Thanks again. To learn more about the boring shit you need to know in business, head to my website, www.amybajada.com.au forward slash podcast, where you will find all my latest and greatest podcast episodes for you to enjoy. To be notified of new podcast episodes when they become available, be sure to hit that notification where you're listening to this podcast. Stay well, my friend.